I'd like to I'd like to welcome everyone out here this evening and dedicate our intro music today to the K Hive. K Hive, please stand up, and Jordan, please play our intro music. Uh, it's Brigham Young Money Time. What's going on, boys? Kyle here. Who else we got? You got Jordan here. Uh, really excited about number 47 now. I know we were talking about 46 with Joe Biden, but we learned who 47 is going to be. It's yeah. going to be Kamala Harris. We love it. Don't we love it, folks? She, she, <sighs> might, she might be a cop, but she's one that we can respect. <laughs> it's, it's Greg. Um, you guys want to hear a joke? Yes. So a war criminal and a cop walk into the DNC. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's the joke. Fuck. You guys yeah, ready for the so end of the world? We, we, uh, we're uh, going full speed ahead. Um, Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris. I think, I don't know. I figured this was going to happen. Um, not really surprised, but just pretty hilariously cynical. Um, and it doesn't really matter at this point, and we can talk about it later. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny to see someone whose campaign flamed out as hard as hers did, where she um, got smoked in every single state she was on the ballot for. She um, was fourth in her own state. Oh, no, yeah, she California. dropped out yeah. before she could get smoked in her own state. Because once you're pulling behind Andrew Yang in your own home state where you're a U.S. <laughs> senator, you just kind of have to throw in the towel there. Dude, I know. Like, she um, bowed out before like a single vote was cast. She did, yes. Before before Super Tuesday, before California, before Super Tuesday, I think. I just um, got to read this tweet real quick from go. Brianna Joy Gray because I think it really hits the nail on the head. We are in the midst of the largest protest movement in American history, the subject of which is excessive policing, and the Democratic Party chose a top cop and the author of the Joe Biden crime bill to save us from Trump. The contempt for the base is, wow. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, so basically unprecedented police brutality, unprecedented police unaccountability. And um, we get to the people who were infamously uh, responsible for a lot of those things. But, you know, whatever. Um, this is going to be this episode. We've been we've been cooking all weekend leading into <laughs> leading into today. Today's Tuesday. We had to push it back a day, but thank God we did because today was it blessed us with even more gifts than than I was expecting. Um, let's we're, we're going to start out a little slow, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more Utah, but um, than I think we have in the past. But this is going to be. I think we're going to establish a lot of canon today. Um, we're bringing it home, boys. Yeah, so... <laughs> the Brigham Young Money Cinematic Universe. It really is. And um, as part of that, um, I think Donovan Mitchell's Instagram is one of the cornerstones of of this religion that we're establishing. And over the weekend, Donovan Mitchell um, accidentally went live on Instagram. Uh, people caught about a... 15 second glimpse into whatever activity he was participating in. Some say he was watching porn. Some say he was laying the pipe, clapping cheeks. We don't know, but 
it was out there and he was exposed for debauchery. Listen, I'm just glad he's taking load management seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, aren't we all? Um, Yeah, the Jazz have been tanking super hard, very effectively for the first time ever. Um, Oh, man, that that game against the Mavericks was a masterclass. Yes, it truly was. Um, Yeah, so that's been going on. Jazz, that's all happening still. Um, We just announced, it was just announced today um, and yesterday that the Mountain West and Pac-12 football, college football, is done. All all fall sports are done. Bye-bye. It's crazy that this country um, did every single thing possible wrong with the coronavirus and are now reaping the consequences of that. And people who fought against all of the things we should have done are the ones now crying loudest about not getting the uh, treats. (laughs) Just reminds me of that that tweet, the, well, 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 if it isn't the consequence of my own actions. Uh Yep. Uh, no, it's, me reaping, me sowing. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, it's, buddy. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, we don't have to worry about anything in the fall because people just couldn't wear masks for six months. Yeah, oh my God. And it's it's just it's just cleaning up all over the country. Um, players are threatening to unionize, but sort of not unionize because they can't really be a union because they're not employees, which is a big old thing. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, they're basically, the NCAA has had to pick between uh, coronavirus or unionized students and trying to force them to play. So well, I honestly think that the unionization efforts would probably have played a bigger factor in this than, yep. than the actual coronavirus, because honestly, they don't give a fuck if any of these guys go out there and die, Yep, but they do care about if they actually have to give up a slice of the pie to them. Well, even like, yeah, totally. And logistically, like the employees the game day all everything that goes into putting on like a a football a college football game for tens of thousands of fans like there's a lot of stuff that's bad public transit we got bathrooms we got restaurants all the stuff around that it's just it's just not a not a good idea so it's not going to happen um and uh another another utah news um (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know if you guys remember but we had utah mads on the podcast that one time and uh, like literally two days later, um, she was arrested and put in jail along with um, many other protesters. And I don't think we're going to use this episode to go in depth into into what's going on there. I think we're going to wait that one out a little bit. But basically, she's being charged. The charges against Mads specifically are um, she's facing one first degree felony that um, can carry up to life in prison, one third degree felony. Um, and the three charges are, um, or the two charges, the one of them's for buying paint, um, allegedly from a Home Depot, and that paint that was allegedly used to um, decorate the uh, Sim Gill's office. Um, yes, so that's and they added a gang enhancement to that, which is you know reserved for um, murderous gangs. They use that on Mads uh, for buying paint, allegedly. And then also there was, um, she shifted her weight very violently in the direction of, or of a police officer who was running towards her with a riot shield. Um, so that was, that was, that was pretty violent of Mads to do that. And also she, uh, may have yelled fuck the police or something. I don't know. It ha- she said the F word, which, um, you know, which under we are God's staunchly law. staunchly 
against on this podcast. Yep. This is an anti-F-word, anti-weight shifting, anti-paint buying podcast. We mentioned that Sherwin-Williams is a terrorist organization. We meant it. uh, Could you just imagine Sim Gill watching a UFC fight, like watching these fighters shift their weight? Like the amount of like PTSD that has to trigger for that man really has to be awful. And my heart goes out to him. Absolutely. Uh, first off, just got to say a couple things. Um, legal department has talked to me. We cannot refer to Sherman Williams as a terrorist organization. Oh, sorry. Parody. Despite how yes. accurate the Fuck. claim may be, it they said it might be technically liable. So uh, alleged yes. terrorist organization is the, alleged parody. Is the terminology yeah, we, we will go with from yeah. now. Well, in any case... Um, Basically, this story blew up globally. Like it was covered. Um, uh, I started seeing a pop up on like my Twitter feed, but then you, like we had like um, prominent like left wing journalists like Ken Klippenstein retweeting stuff about it. Um, Jordan Newell was was saying stuff about it too. Um, and then it got to you know your Washington Post type of newspapers. It also was covered by the BBC. This was covered in other languages, like in in South America. This got everywhere, and it all the was Daily Beast did a full profile on yes. Mads, and that that led to uh, the Daily Beast interviewing Mads and did a really good profile about it. Mads has kind of become the figurehead for this because there are some protesters who don't want to be named. Um, but one of the people who was charged with her had the same charges as Marvin Oliveros. And he's the brother of Cody Belgard, who was killed by Salt Lake City Police. Um, and he's facing the exact same charges as Mad. So um, we'll put in the podcast description um, a link of resources. Basically, um, everyone, I think, was bailed out. But there's going to be a lot of legal fees. Basically, um, I mean, Sim Gill looks like a fucking dumbass because, I mean, he's getting roasted globally. But also, he came out and explicitly said that, hey, hey, everyone, I don't I like no one's going to. We don't think anyone's going to go to prison about over this, probably. But we, you know, they he basically just admitted the whole thing's a fucking sham, and they're just there to send the message with the bullshit charges. He said he said the uh, the quiet part loud. Yeah, way and too it, loud. It was nothing. It's nothing more than a gigantic scare tactic mm-hmm. to quell protesters, to quell whatever civil unrest is going on in the city, and to again just scare people to not go out. Yeah. Yep um it's it's fucking disgusting and again this is paint that they got off with a power washer really quick um well the important thing to realize is salt lake city has way bigger issues to deal with now than a woman shifting her weight into a police officer mm mm-hmm yep so um today we learned um from some good reporting from the Salt Lake Tribune, which apparently the Salt Lake Police Department also learned about from the reporting from the Salt Lake Tribune, um, is that I think it was back in June, Salt Lake City Police ordered um, a police dog to attack a black man in who was on his knees um, and his this hands story in the air. Is so fucking sad. It's one of the most disgusting stories um, that's come out so far. Um, the man lived, um, but yeah, his name is Jeffrey Ryan's. He um, Somebody called the cops um, on like, or it wasn't his uh, his partner or whoever he was at home with. Somebody called the cops and the cops show up. Um, he was getting ready to go to work. He was like having a cigarette outside. Um, so the cops show up. They basically, um, there's something that cops do uh, when, I don't know, I don't know what's really going through their minds or how intentional this is. It seems very intentional, but you get two cops um, are, are yelling different commands at 
the the suspect and then you know if they're different the person can only obey one of the commands so one a cop is yelling for him to get on the ground the other cop is yelling for him to come to them and he was literally just sitting there trying to cooperate um and the body cam footage revealed that one of the cops because the he was quote not cooperating um sent the uh sent the canine dog over to attack him and uh the footage said good boy to the dog after he completely ripped apart the guy's leg and he in the video um ryan's is like screaming why are you doing this why are you biting me um it's really horrific footage and he's filing a suit against the police department thank god um and um they he could potentially have to get a leg amputation because of this uh basically it's completely fucked him um really bad and uh he's uh suffering pretty severely about this but um yeah so apparently the solid police department learned uh from the reporting that this happened um today which is just just really great so um yeah just more awesome uh police violence i think there were i mean just in the last week i think we're we hit four maybe police shootings in the last week which we will touch on um in the future but this is one that just came out today and uh this shit just happens every single day and sim gill does nothing about it and uh be careful about protesting this type of shit because you might end up with uh, life in prison charges because uh, that's how that's how it works around here, apparently. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, on to bigger and better things. Um, more cheery things in a, in a different way, I suppose. <laughs> um, so some other news that broke this weekend. Um, you know, I'm the three of us. We're we're we're. we're we're party animals, all right? So when we got the invitation to attend the Young Dumb Party down in Provo, you know, to drink some mocktails, to get socially distanced, well, not really socially, um, modest lap dances, I guess you could say. Uh, um, church dance distance between you and another person. Yes. Um, a quad distance, a quad lamp dance. Like you get the, the Book of Mormon, the Bible, all the other books. You got to have that distance. Um, we got the invite and we were absolutely gutted to turn that inter- or that that uh, party down. And well, we, there's there's nothing that speaks to me more than being young and dumb. <sighs> yes. something else. But the three of us that. together, um, you know, instead, we just had a good cry session on Friday, uh, missing out on the young, dumb party. So the young, dumb party, I saw it being promoted beforehand. And they're like, are you really going to try to have an indoor dance party um, during a pandemic? And they're like, yes, we are. Okay. So I kind of forgot about this, but it went ahead. And then this was rushed back into my brain um, and our consciousness because of Twitter, of course, because that's where society stream of consciousness exists currently. And the person behind the Young Dumb Party is a Utah infamous person. His name is Kwaku. Uh, Kwaku L and Kwaku L, um, I know nothing about, but in over the last like couple years or I don't know, I just used to see people always talking about Kwaku L and I was really annoyed. So I muted his name on Twitter one time and I had no idea who he was. And all of a sudden I'm seeing these videos. So they put together a video from this dance party that took place and it's a shit ton of, um, you know, people who go to BYU or live in Provo at this dance party, like a bunch of like shirtless bros. Some Like, I mean, it looked like a normal dance party that you'd see, except there was like weird Mormon stuff like sprinkled in like the, um, 
the modest lap dance, like I mentioned, that was, uh, you know, had some distance between the, the gentlemen and the, and the, the girls performing the lap dance. It was really weird and really embarrassing. Um, but Kwaku himself was featured in this video. So, um, this sparked a, a bit of a civil war in Utah County. Um, and it's not, you know, you might be, you might be asking yourself, you know, were people really mad at Kwaku for throwing this party during a pandemic? And, you know, there were, there were those people and we'll get to those people, but Jordan, I'm going to ask you to take us through who was the most mad at Kwaku for okay, the so, young dumb party. So there was definitely a civil war in Provo Twitter, which is about the widest phrase I'll use in a while. So this might be the first civil <laughs> war in Utah County that doesn't involve Jim or Fredette being the best basketball player in the state. <laughs> Pretty much. But uh, so two groups are really angry about this uh, young dumb dance party. First off was the people who actually cared about the disease because, you know, I don't know if you guys know this or not. We're in the middle of a pandemic. So they were rightfully afraid of that. Yes. And then there was a second group that were worried about the souls of all the people who were there because they were dancing to the devil's music. They were drinking non-alcoholic, but the appearance of alcohol. So, you know, that's just as evil. Do you think about a sin? You might as well have done it. You know, that old, old idiom that we always learned. And they also worried about the uh, air lap dances that some of the people in the tents were giving shirtless Mormon guys, which is... Always just like a weird staple of every sort of Utah County party. For some reason, there's always just dudes who take their shirts off for no reason whatsoever, yeah. except for like just suppressed sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Listen, you get enough virgins in a single city and there is just bound to be a bunch of weird shit come out. It really is. Provo is one of the worst places. Um, but Jordan's describing this group. That's another infamous group. Another group that I wished I had never learned about. Similar I, when I when I moved <sighs> Kwaku, all this stuff was streaming through my consciousness as well. But this group is called Desnot, which I um, assume it stands for Deseret Nationals. National? I think De Deseret Na Something. It's just um, people who want Brigham Young to be like God King for life. Yep. So they believe in like the uh, we could we we should probably do a longer uh, episode about Desnot and like really what the fuck it is. But it's these people. It's like nationalist Mormons who believe um, it's like it's like the most it's they're straight edge Mormons. It's like I don't even know a better way to describe it, but it all, it gets like very fast. Mormon fundamentalists. Well. Yeah, it's like it is Mormon fundamentalist, but like. Yeah, the Brigham Young kind, like right after polygamy was banned, I think. I, I don't, they, they basically just super hardline. Um, and they got really pissed at Kwaku. A lot of them, it turned out, looked up to Kwaku quite a bit. Um, and the debauchery that they saw in this video, um, they were hitting him so hard on Twitter that he ended up going private for, for a little bit. So um, basically the only people at this point who are happy with Kwaku were the people who were at the party. Um, no, none of the people who looked up to him as a spiritual beacon were happy with him. And the people who um, are thinking, wow, it would be really great that we're not in a pandemic, if we were not in a pandemic, um, you know, those people were not happy either because 
there was not a single mask in this video. <laughs> and to go around posting a party video uh, in the middle of a pandemic where literally no one's wearing masks and you're at an indoor dance party um, is just fucking absurd. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so, so apparently you can't like please the Mormon fedayeen long enough with your like yes. Mormon apologetics if you're going to have something that looks like Caligula's Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Listen, I was just on a uh, a Zoom call with my friends uh, Mackenzie, Jordalyn, and Cash. They sound great. And to be honest, like we all don't really see what the big deal is. I mean, it was just good fun. It it really was. And and hey, I'm all I'm all for having fun. Um, you know, we're young, dumb. Um, you know, I think that I think this is important, and it, it, it doesn't matter that Kwaku runs this young dumb party promotion company, and I doubt that had anything to do with his desire to hold a party. Um, I'm sure that wasn't part of it, or m- maybe a tiny bit. But um, as the founder of Young Dumb Party, and to be this beacon of uh, that people look to for answers, um, Kwaku went on. He he did a, a KUTV Channel Two interview today. So when I said. That I'm glad we didn't record yesterday because we were gifted more blessings. The this we we were just gifted a perfect streamlined into all the things we wanted to talk about today. So, Kwaku goes on KU TV. The the way I when I first saw it, it was Kwaku losing his shit, calling KU TV fake news or whatever for taking him out of context or something, um, and. Basically, um, he was interviewed. They basically were like, hey, man, why did you have a party in an inside area with all these people up on each other during a pandemic where no one's wearing masks? And it was like, well, we had hand sanitizer. We said we could get masks for people if uh, they wanted them. Um, But yeah, like clearly, um, no. And the venue owner was really upset about this because he apparently was under a different impression of what was going to happen and what the, what was, you know, he was expecting masks. He was expecting, you know, people to act like they were in a pandemic. Um, but yeah, so Kwaku during, um, <laughs> during this interview, he, they, which in the video form, they, they played this part and he said, if people are going to die, they're going to die. I don't think that they're going to in that way. I don't know what that means really, but he's, he continued in the article. I think we're seeing the trajectory go down. And I don't think that a lot of people really trust the CDC or the Institute of health that much. That part is key because that's going to tie into what we're talking about later, which um, is a phenomenon that's sweeping this country and this state. But um, I think it's really interesting. So he was making a big deal about them taking out of context and them saying that part. The full interview was worse, in my opinion, because um, they made it look better than I thought. Um, but apparently, Kwaku had somebody filming with his phone uh, or with a phone, and they showed the behind the scenes footage. And the behind the scenes f- footage uh, showed Kwaku, who is a black man, um, saying, like basically comparing his dance party and then saying it's a double standard because people are okay with the BLM protests. And then he says, I'm black. Of course I'm okay with BLM protests, but you should be okay with this dance party because it's the same thing. Um, yeah. It's totally which the same we, thing. is complete bullshit. Yeah. It's totally the same thing when you're inside confined spaces with no masks, with uh, just a ratio of people of about five to like a square foot. That's that's totally the same thing as being outdoors with everyone being masked and marching in a general direction. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. It's, it's fucking absurd that he said that. Um, 
but I think his attitude about this whole thing is indicative of a shift that's apparently been taking place in who he is politically as well. Um, I've learned so much about this guy in the last like two days. It's weird. And I hope that I don't have to think about him or any of this very much longer, especially because we get like the weekly brainwash and it's, it's awesome. But he, I don't know if he currently is, but he's, he's historically been the vice president of the BYU Democrats, which, um, okay, fine. Um, and we know that like, there's a lot of like liberalism going on in, in Provo. And so that doesn't really surprise me, um, that there's a BYU Democrats in general. Um, but I've seen some stuff from him in the past and it was pretty regular liberal stuff, but he has always considered himself supposedly, um, on the left. He, um, so I, I don't think he really knows what leftism or left politics actually means, but no, um, he doesn't. Uh, yeah. Essentially what it comes down to with Kwaku is essentially he is just like an eternal contrarian. Like that's all you can really say him as too. Cause being the vice president of the BYU Democrats at BYU is just like taking the contrarian approach towards everything too. Is he, was he actually liberal? I, I can't really say for sure, but judging by how he's kind of shifted since then too, just to essentially be like this kind of quasi like pizza gate poster and also just oh, po yeah. posting about soy boys and how liberals uh, turn women into like just floozies essentially. Yes. So yeah, that's, a, and that's a, that's an important thing to mention because he is seemingly transitioning into a very reactionary set of politics um, in fact, he posted recently on Twitter, um, am I still liberal? And he posted basically a notes app apology, but he said, Kwaku, why do you, why did you stop being liberal? And then he says, I haven't, I still want affordable healthcare. Keith, uh, that's a little buzzword, affordable healthcare, affordable count how many, uh, liberal buzzword bullshit things you can in this, in this little sentence. I haven't, I still want affordable healthcare being profit prisons abolished. Okay. Bing police regulation, bing, better immigration laws, bing, cheaper schools, bing, and environmental protection, bing. So uh, just pablum doesn't actually mean anything. Um, and But this is where I think we're going to get into some real interesting territory. But above all those things, above, again, healthcare, prisons, um, you know, environmental protections and education, Above all of those things, I want to save the children and take down any traffickers or those protecting them. This should have been a top trending news story for months straight. The left doesn't care. The left does not care. They actively promote pornography, sex work, and elect officials who are involved in pedophilia. They call anything that contradicts the narrative of corporate funded journalism, conspiracy theories, or bigotry, thus letting the power of the financial elite the of financial elitism dominate the fifth estate that is supposed to keep elites in check. The left pushes forward the teachings of Simone de Beauvoir and Jean-Paul Sartre and Harvey Milk, all pedophiles <laughs> in collegiate humanities academia. Leftists, leftists are the ones who debunked Wayfair sex trafficking a day after the news broke with no investigation whatsoever. I can see the writing on the walls. I can see that there are a handful of leftists that want to normalize pederasty, which is, this is a huge thing where there are a bunch of people who are really concerned that there are some people who want to add uh, pedophilia to the LGBTQIA and put a P on the end for pedophilia. 
this is a huge thing in, in uh, reactionary politics where they think this is a real thing that's taking place instead of it just being like 4chan trolls. I can, let's see, uh, the majority don't, but a vocal minority do. There are wolves in sheep's clothing among the left. Liberals are supposed to be the folks that look out for the marginalized. Uh, no, Bullshit. and fight for the little guy. Again, he uses left and liberal completely interchangeably. And when he saw himself as a liberal, um, I think it, he tells a lot on himself. But this is the biggest tell, um, one of the biggest tells, I guess. The corporate leftist media will manipulate, lie, coerce, <laughs> and mock anyone daring to question the narrative. Just years ago, the Epstein Island information was seen as a dangerous conspiracy theory. Well, it turned out to be true. Those on top of the journalistic ladder who were guilty of trafficking told the masses that there was nothing to see. The left's switch into anti-Americanism and pro-physical mental bondage is something I cannot sign my name to. This is the hill I die on. I am a radical. I am a liberal. I am a patriot. I care about people and freedom. I care about fighting for what's right. I did not, I did not leave the left. The left left me. Save the children. Ugh. So what conspiracy theory is he talking right. about? Because Jeffrey Epstein got convicted of child molestation in 2007. Yeah. Go. <sighs> this guy's a Mormon, right? Oh, yeah. he does apologetics. That's how Mormon he is. Yep. Okay. So, and he's anti-pedophile. Oh, buddy, I and got systems some that, I, and systems that protect pedophiles. Whoa, 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 whoa. That buddy, pedophiles. I got some real bad news Greg, for you, you about Joseph Smith and Greg, Brigham Young. Greg, before you go there, times were different. It was totally reasonable 150, 160 years ago to tell a 14 year old girl that Angel was going to kill her if she didn't marry you. Okay. Yep, times have changed. So, okay. Uh, and you guys got me there. <laughs> Checkmate atheists. So, oh. <laughs> Here's here here so okay, and that's basically the last I ever want to hear from Quaku, and I never want to um, talk about him again or think about him because it's completely irrelevant. But I think that what he just said there, and basically this transition where someone who's the VP of the BYU Dems who considers himself of the left, um, which no, none none of those things are. If you think no. you think corporate media no. is leftist, I don't. If if you think they're uh, obsessed with identity politics. Sure. If you think that they are, I, I mean, I, that's basically the only thing that people associate with the left that they, that you can pin on corporate media, but they're pro corp corporate media is corporate and definitionally not left. I don't like, know, man. I, I did hear that Ken Klippenstein got a raise. <laughs> He's making big money now. Yeah, who can know? You, corporate media cannot be left. Like Chris Hayes is the most left person on on TV, and he's like a pretty like regular ass liberal with like some populist tendencies. But like, like Sam Cedar hosted his show the other day, and they're never gonna give Sam Cedar a show on M on MSN. Oh, never so. again. Like, that's not a thing that happens. The corporate media is not leftist. Independent media can be leftist, but definitionally, if it's a corporation, it cannot be of the left. No, I'm just sorry. Just think about that time that Felix Biederman got to go on Pod Save America that one time, and yep. they cut down his entire like amount on the show to like thirty seconds. Yeah, they muted everything he said about Syria. <laughs> they, so, yeah, they muted everything he said about Syria, and when he said like Iran should make a nuclear weapon for their own survival, it's like, yep, up, oh, we gotta cut that. Absolutely. So Jordan mentioned it earlier. He said Pizzagate and how uh, Kwaku became kind of a Pizzagate poster. Um, I think 
this is something that's, I, I, I deleted my, I had a, an Instagram and I followed a lot of people and I was seeing this more and more, but, um, all my friends and, uh, my girlfriend has mentioned as well that she sees that everyone's been seeing this stuff pop up more and more and more on Instagram. And we've mentioned a couple of times uh, around the Wayfair conspiracy, um, and, and things like that, but people are becoming obsessed with child trafficking and stopping it, which of course, like everyone is against child trafficking, you would think uh, other than child traffickers or people that participate in child trafficking in one way or another. Um, that's something we can all agree on. That is bad. That's exactly how we all feel. But the problem is that um, there are a lot of grifters in this space and there are a lot of nefarious actors in this space. And we want to talk about some of those people and how, um, you know, they are becoming, they're rising to prominence through this, but one person in particular that we'll get to in a moment, but um, Pizzagate, I think is, it's foundational to a lot of this stuff. And because you've, it, people who are listening to this might not know certain pieces of this. And I think I'm going to do another episode um, either with this guy's or a friend of mine or both. Um, and we're going to go deeper into Pizzagate and QAnon. But I think, and we're going to focus this episode on the Utah aspects of where this is being channeled right now. But Pizzagate generally was a conspiracy theory that was started in the run-up to the 2016 election. And it came about because of the leaked emails from WikiLeaks from, um, from the DNC server um, but it exposed some emails uh, that um, from John Podesta and other high-ranking DNC officials that referenced this pizza place in Washington, D.C. called Comet Ping Pong. So, and it, it, Comet Ping Pong, CP, child porn, Pizzagate, like all the, there's this, the, people start to form these connections here where clearly um, there's some weird stuff going on around this pizza place in Washington, D.C. Um and all of that basically culminated in people believing that there were being that there were children being trafficked through this pizza place in DC and that they were performing child sacrifices. Um, but again, we'll, I'll go into this more in depth later. But basically, um, it culminated at the end of this conspiracy, well, what we thought at a certain point, with someone with an AR-15 going to Comet Ping Pong demanding to see the child sacrifice basement, um, which they didn't have a basement. So that kind of just went away um, real quick. But uh, something happened in the near future, and it, it, it vibed into what's called QAnon. So QAnon is a um, started as a 4chan poster who was someone who claimed to be close to the Trump administration. And this person um, would say certain that Trump was going to say certain things in his speeches um, and, you know, certain things would happen and to prove his bona fides as, as, as being somebody close to QAnon or excuse me, close to Donald Trump, this, this Q person, they call themselves Q. And there are two founding principles to the Q philosophy the first one is that there's a global pedophile cabal that's unaccountable to, to, to everyone. They're, 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 they're accountable to no one. They're unaccountable to everyone. They um, basically are the, there's the highest echelons of society, the, the elites of the elites, the, the super wealthy in the eyes wide shut universe where they can, they're so wealthy and so powerful. They're accountable to no one. And I think with the three of us, you are not going to find a disagreement that, that exists in some form. Big facts. Yeah. So, and like, and I think that it's important. 
and I'm not going to go tell Kwaku this or whatever, but I think it's important that people who have, you know, that are dumb guy socialists, or if you just have left tendencies, populist tendencies, if you believe in humanity and um, in, in human first policies, that you have a place in the left as being a, a believer of, of, pet, of, a, of a pedophile network of, of elites. You're safe with us, I promise. Um, you don't need to run into, into QAnon territory. So the second founding principle of QAnon is that Trump, Donald Trump, um, our, our current big boy president in, in all of his glory, is currently saving the world from that pedophile cabal. And he is secretly arresting um, thousands and thousands of people um, ranging from, you know, he, he's responsible for the apprehension of child traffickers all over the world, but also high profile child traffickers like the Obamas, the Clintons, but also people, the um, cast of friends, the cast of friends, <laughs> notably without Jennifer Aniston. And that, and that QAnon is, is sharing these messages that Trump is, is doing these secret um, executions, these secret imprisonments. And that as, as a side note, coronavirus is a big part of this too, because it kept everyone in their houses so they could be out doing the cops, obviously, or whoever does these arrests could be doing these secret apprehensions of, of the world's elite. So all of the batshit crazy comes from thinking that Trump is at the spearhead of, of this, of this should, organization. We should also probably mention Trump uh, famously good friends with Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know. I haven't really been following it too much. I just wish her well, frankly. Uh, I've met her numerous times over the years, especially since I lived in Palm Beach. And I guess they lived in Palm Beach. Uh, but I wish her well. I think it's also kind of uh, important to kind of talk about the differences between like what leftists believe in about and what QAnon believes too, because I think you can definitely craft like a class argument that there's two separate sets of laws that are applied very differently in this country. Like the rich can't afford resources to essentially escape most of their, most of their like consequences for abhorrent crimes. Like for example, Jeffrey Epstein on his first charge only got away with like a solicitation charge while yeah. he was like human trafficking. But Jeffrey Epstein was convicted of human trafficking, um, pled down to some lesser charge, um, served his prison sentence, um, but was on like a work permit where he could just go to his home office for uh, the entire day and sleep at the prison. And that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just important to kind of construct that too. Like it's not necessarily believing in conspiracy theories to see like a class argument from that. Totally. What QAnon does is takes it to levels that just are beyond the realm of reality. Like, for example, there's clone facilities out there that have replaced all the people that were executed because they just couldn't quite understand why none of the people they've that they've accused of being pedophiles haven't been arrested by Donald Trump yet. Right. Yeah. So. Um, Yeah. Exactly. And like, like that, that class argument hundred percent exists. We know what happened with Jeffrey Epstein. We know he got a sweetheart deal, which of course also included Trump's secretary of labor. Um, Acosta is that his last name? Yeah. Acosta. Uh, Acosta. Uh-huh. And, um, at the same, and additionally, the the person in charge of investigating Jeffrey Epstein's crimes right now are, is William Barr, and William Barr's father 
gave Jeffrey Epstein his first job at the Dalton School, a very prestigious school that a lot of like the global elite Americans, um, their kids go to in, in New York City. And Jeffrey Epstein was completely unqualified. Um, and William Barr's father just happened to give him a job at this school and um, consequently got him intertwined with elite society. So like there are these things where it's like, if you don't have that class analysis, you get into um, what we're going to be talking about next here, where people think that like Donald Trump is on their side and that he's saving the world from these people, despite the fact that he's been with friends with the Clintons forever um, up until the very recent, uh, um, like an, until very recently. And Jeffrey Epstein himself and Ghislaine Maxwell, does, does that mean we're going to defend the Clintons or any association to people like that? Fuck no. Like we would never do that. But there, you have to have that class analysis that Jordan mentioned, because if not, you get you can easily get caught up in the idea that um, Donald Trump and uh, a lot of his people are are are, you know, and a lot of his people are sending signals that this stuff is happening. Like that's the, that's the really fucking weird part is that not only is this stuff seeping into people's Instagram feeds, but it really is seeping into um, mainstream politics, including um, the person who's going to be challenging Ben McAdams this fall, Burgess Owens, who we've talked about as being Q curious, but he has appeared um, on a Q person show. Like he's going full Q Um this stuff is, is, is really bleeding in. So people are posting on their Instagram stories, you know, we're against human trafficking and all these, all these things, but they're po the things they're sharing on their Instagram stories are coming from QAnon accounts. And these are accounts that believe in the Pizzagate uh, conspiracy theory, the Wayfair conspiracy theory, which we talked about as well, where they think that people are being trafficked through a furniture website, which I mean, it gets, it gets super, it don't be a crank because the shit can be written off so easily um, and probably a lot of this is purposely written off really easily. Um, like government officials are known for um, this type of like planting of conspiracy theories to um, to discredit what's actually going on, whether it's like with 9-11, if, if you think Bush actually commanded the planes be flown into the tower to, hide, to really distract from the fact that we've been fucking around in the Middle East for decades and decades and decades. And like all of that was a natural progression. So one Be careful the, with with that type of thing. One of the best ways to kind of discern like conspiracy theories is trying to figure out exactly what the end result is of like any sort of stakeholders in them. For example, yeah. QAnon, their main end goal is just to reelect Donald Trump. That's all it is. Yeah. It's to get you to the ballot and then press the button and then go back to where your home where you can just like yep. keep. Be because it, if, if Donald Trump were to win this fall, those accounts would be fucking quiet as shit starting next January. And like the, the, the craze about human trafficking would go way down. Um, this stuff is all very linear. It was the same in 2016 leading up to the election and it's, and it's going on now, but um, it's, I don't know why I'm not sure what it is in particular with Utah, but being against child trafficking is a very safe, woke idea. And in a time when so many people are being very socially active and they're talking about BLM and they're talking about police violence and they're talking about that, you know, all of that stuff, you know, people on the right feel very left out of this conversation because it's hard even for a lot of these people to defend police. Some people still fucking go for it. Well, even when cops are literally murdering, murdering people in the street and there's camera footage of the entire thing, they will still defend the police. But there are a lot of people who are 
you know, feeling like they didn't have a place to grasp onto. And all of a sudden, boom, human trafficking. This is a great safe woke thing I can post with, about with every, know, a lot of conservative white Mormons in Utah who feel very safe posting about this with, type of thing. With every moral panic, they love the framing of children more than anything else. Yeah. That's that's common mm-hmm. with Utah for throughout the entire history of the state. But every sort of moral panic in the state is always framed around children. Whether yep. it was declaring pornography as a public health crisis, like, well, we need to make sure that you know children doesn't get get access yeah. to this. Although we can't, like, we can't have kids looking at alcohol in restaurants. That's yeah, what I need it's the same thing curtain. with yeah. like the Zion Curtain and the weird yeah. liquor laws. And so yeah. it's it's no doubt that fringe groups like QAnon are going to start latching on to protecting children because they know yep. it's the perfect linchpin to pull people who are essentially normies into it anyway, because like you care about children, right? Yeah, of course I care about children. You want to protect children. Like, yeah, well, of course I want to protect children. Well, come join us. There's this secret group that we post and we wait for Q that give us drops and then we uh, pursue it. (laughs) What's yeah. And like, again, and I I don't want to fault anyone who has fallen, who's, who's posting Q stuff unknowingly of like what's actually it entails. It just, but I've seen so many people get sucked into it. Super, um, probably unknowing to themselves and all of a sudden like you know you see all these things that are compelling and of course people care about children and I, and I assume I, I believe there's I believe in the good in all people and I think it's very easy to believe um, you know and, and we know that a lot of these things are happening it's really aggravating to see like the Epstein thing has completely melted my brain um, and it's it's really hard to accept that some of these things are happening but the answer is not uh, a path through reactionary politics um, and I think a lot of people are getting sucked into this very, very dark path. Um, and it leads to like, I mean, yeah, like I, 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 I think about that tweet about how, like, um, somebody said, like the left got a little too social justice warrior for me. So I changed my entire views about economics and, and healthcare and all of that. It's like, that's kind of like the play here is because like this path to right wing politics, the politics that Donald Trump espouses, it's just, it's just misery and suffering for the 99%. And we've seen that so blatantly through this pandemic, like they do not give a fuck about people. They no. apparently they care, care about human trafficking. Look how many fucking people are going to be homeless if they don't do something. And, and, and that like, kind of speaks to exactly. Yeah. And that kind of speaks to the fecklessness of QAnon anyway, because if you think there's these gigantic sort of like child molestation factories around there too, like why aren't you getting your own posse together and knocking them over? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Not just that, but like it, I mean, we've seen all of the stories about the abuse that are going on in the, uh, the ice detainment camps yeah. in the, in the, and like, if you're, if you're about that life, why are you not, rising up against the tyrannical government. Yeah, like we have to in, worry in, about the mole children first. Okay, we have to get them above <laughs> ground and then after that we can worry about the children yeah. in the camp. So that and that's the perfect that's the perfect illustration of this. And it, and it's like and I see a lot of them be like, "Well, Obama Obama's like built the cages or whatever." It's like, "Yeah, fuck fuck all of that. You don't have to pick between those two options." Um we like you, yeah, you it's, believe it's in not humanism a or you don't. It's definitely no. not. And like, um, yeah, you, you can't, you cannot genuinely think that someone is doing something to fight human trafficking while there are children 
starving to death all over the country, but not even taking into account the ones in cages at the border. Like um, food and housing insecurity is a huge issue in this country, let alone healthcare. Um, it's, it's fucking absurd. So a lot of this in Utah has culminated with support for this specific group who we're going to be introducing into um, BYM Canon, and his name is Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard is the CEO and founder of a group called Operation Underground Railroad. Um, and goddamn, this guy is this guy is something. So I I've heard a lot about Tim Ballard over the years, um, just kind of you know, and in out of my ears, I think my dad has mentioned him a couple of times. I like my dad used to listen to, to Glenn Beck. I don't know if he still does. I know he's a bit Tim, of a bit of a household name in yep. Utah Mormon mm-hmm. culture. Yep. He's really close with um, Sean Reyes. He's apparently friends with um, Burgess Owens as well. But like anyone in Utah, like Republican politics is like close with Tim Ballard, I guess. Um, And this guy, he's a Mormon dude, um, which matters quite a bit apparently to his mission here soon. But he, um, he kind of rose onto the scene because he wrote a book claiming that the reason Lincoln Abraham Lincoln, the president, uh, freed the slaves was because he secretly converted to Mormonism, but because he read the Book of Mormon. (laughs) And that enlightened him to the point where he felt compelled to free the slaves. And that um, every American like historical movement is tied to Mormonism one way or another. And he believes this in his heart. Um, And this is a man who went to BYU. Um, uh, He served a a mission in South America and he went to BYU. Also, Sorry, I cut you off. Kyle, just to say there too, like beyond just believing that Lincoln freed the saves because he was converted to Mormonism, he also put the uh, gospel's hands in the founding of the Plymouth Colony in 1620. Uh, George Washington's success in the Revolutionary War. Um, he pretty much just writes books about how Mormonism was just this culminating event of like American history, as opposed to like the, what what object reality is, which is. Mormonism is just an insignificant part of American history. So you have to shoehorn it in anywhere you can. Like there's more proof that Abraham Lincoln uh, freed the slaves because he read Marx and there is because he read the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My God. I think, did he have an invite or I think there was supposed to be a meeting between Abraham Lincoln and Marx. Oh yeah. He was, yeah. He was like pen pals with Karl Marx, which is kind of funny. Not saying that Abraham Lincoln was a communist by any stretch of the imagination or socialist or anything like that, but But there's more evidence of of Marx's influence than, than Joseph Smith's influence on on Abraham Lincoln's politics. Absolutely. Um, but like Abraham Lincoln's a very, um, a very mythical figure for Republicans because they see him supposedly as the foundation of the party, despite the fact that like the radical well Republicans of that area, but era, but even radical Republicans of the early 19th century were, were uh, social Democrats at, at the, at the most. Right. But yeah, when I think of Republicans, I think of a strong central government crushing state rights, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this guy goes to BYU um, and it's kind of like a, an open secret that there's like a, a, a Mormon missionary. I, I think I, I can't remember if I mentioned he served his mission um, in South America, Chile, I believe he um, there's this, there's this open secret of a missionary to BYU to government agency pipeline. Um, the CIA people like um, Evan McMullen is, is one of the the more popular ones at this exact moment because he ran for president, but, there are a ton of people who work within um, the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security who uh, went to BYU. Yeah, pretty much any um, alphabet agency. 
yeah, they love they love Mormons who can follow orders and that type of thing and um, keep secrets. <laughs> it's so, also, really it's really a shame that Qualtrics just came in and just took this all over. <laughs> I know it really is. It's too bad. Um, so so there's this pipeline here. He's part of it. So he goes from BYU to um, to the CIA and also Department of Homeland Security. I think he worked directly under um, in ICE, actually, which um, great organization, speaking of kids in cages. But um, most recently, Tim Ballard in 2019, he was appointed by President Trump to the White House Public Private Partnership Advisory Council to end human trafficking. So. This is huge for QAnon because this is a this is a move that Trump is deliberately making um, to take down you know to end human trafficking and this is perfect for them that they can be like look um, this is a direct action that Trump's doing and now we can trace this directly to what we believe this core ideology to be so um, additionally like uh, Tim Ballard's group. Um, Operation Underground Railroad. They've always operated with, with these statistics where they say some. They 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 say that eight hundred thousand kids are trafficked into the United States every year. Eight hundred thousand. Um, the claims on their statistics are pretty dubious, and a lot of this data is really hard to track down. But other other human trafficking organizations or ones that are fighting against, it, I should say. Um, like, take a lot of issue with their numbers in particular. Like pretty much um, anything else that Tim Ballard does, a lot of his like empirical data is based on thoughts and prayers. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really important to mention. Um, that, uh, like Jordan mentioned, he sees Mormonism as being part of this country's history and founding, and so definitionally, he believes the same thing about himself and the work that he's doing now. So he tells this story about how he was in the temple and he and his with his wife, and they got revelation that um, to save the kids. So he basically. <laughs> was so committed to this and he was so sick of the government bureaucracy that was holding him back from his full potential of saving all of the kids. He was only, he was only saving some of the kids before supposedly now he's saving all the kids. Um, and one of the most concerning things about Tim Ballard's organization, um, is that he would, he, again, this is a private NGO. It's a nonprofit, um, he said that he would like uh, Operation Underground Railroad um, that they could someday be the Blackwater of fighting trafficking. I think yeah. Blackwater wants to be like the like the U.S. Army of the private sector. So like everyone's just going like one level down of, of imperialism. It's wonderful. Yeah, Greg, tell us what Blackwater is known for. Killing a lot of Iraqis. Yep. And like basically being the government's... Uh, shadow police while in Iraq. Yeah. This they're, is, they're a private company ran by Betsy DeVos's brother. brother. Yep. Yeah. And they were just, they were there. They were basically Iraq death squads, Iraq, mm -hmm. the Iraq police department during the yep. Iraq war. Uh, they killed with impunity. They basically uh, made up their own rules and a whole lot of Brown people died because of it. Yep. Yep, they were. They got those uh, no big contracts to the State Department to provide security, and then for some reason they were able to get like impunity from pretty much anything they did for a lot of damage. Yep. Yeah. So people calling yourself um, the Blackwater of fighting trafficking, like what the word that Greg used was impunity, and that's important because these 
groups are accountable to absolutely no one. No one. Um, and that's the huge problem with this type of thing. So um, basically, and when we think about the human trafficking like problem, which definitely exists globally, um, a lot of the work that Tim Ballard's organization supposedly does is outside of the United States. And I don't think that's a coincidence at all, especially when it comes to doing um, ops in places like Haiti. Um, and when we think about how, like, you know, he's going to places that are, that are war-torn, that are poor, that are, that are, um, really in shambles with no infrastructure. And, and that's not a coincidence because the United States government, it's a bi- been a bipartisan project to topple governments all over the world, including Haiti, which was a, was a Clinton project. Oh, it was more um, just a Clinton project. It goes back a century. I mean, from eight, yeah. from 1950, most to recently the coup that took place in Haiti was, it was a Clinton. Yeah. Just yes. to give you a quick rundown on Haitian history with regards Please. to the United States, 1915 to 1934, we occupied Haiti. From about 34 on to 57, it was essentially just a lot of like military dictators we kind of helped prop up. After that, you have the Dalliers who took over, you mean Papa Doc and Baby Doc, who were both American supported. And then we sort of uh, had to go in there again in 94 under Clinton to essentially secure the government after the Dalliers collapsed. But just beyond that, too, Haiti's always been like the front lines of American empire. And just like the other places that Operation Underground has really operated in. Uh, I read about uh, uh, operations in both like Colombia and Mexico, which are yep. Yep. also major like flashpoints for American empire and American military reach. So, but none of that is a coincidence at all. I mean, I, it's absolutely not. So like, um, basically the, the model is, you know, United States government has at some point um, completely toppled an area, destroyed their infrastructure. Um, you know, like, Libya is a good example. There's open air slave markets in Libya right yes, now. Yes, exactly. So, I was just going to bring that um, up. And I think the only reason that, um, you know, his organization isn't going over there is because uh, there's there would be way too much violence if they did go. So basically the idea is go place like Haiti, Colombia or somewhere else, um, you know, show up, basically just kill as many people as they can again with with impunity with impunity but also alongside governmental agencies or local police or local um government agencies but um Uh, we should probably throw in some allegedly's around here uh, too yeah uh, sorry they can also be a little uh sue happy so so yeah legal's on our ass so (laughs) um and I, I was just thinking about how like the American exceptionalism idea is so crazy because like I was like, we mentioned the kids at the border in cages, like we're committing human rights violations at the border right now. And can you imagine if um, some other country if who saw themselves as the world police, maybe if we didn't have a good relationship with Britain or something, they deployed troops into, into Northern Mexico and they just glassed our entire border patrol. Like the type oh, of... Go for it. I was going to say, I think about that all the time, because if yeah. you look, if you kind of scan the American landscape where we're at, you know, we, we're committing uh, <clears throat> crimes against humanity left and right. We are reaching record unemployment and our economy's tanking. And we've got this like fascist authoritarian dictator in office that is, again, breaking the law and grifting. Like this is the point in another country's history where america starts justifying a coup 
Yeah, we did this in Bolivia. Or, yes. Um, yes, we did this in Bolivia earlier this year. Was that this? I can't remember what year that was. But um, we got Ebo out. <laughs> like This happened within the last year. We've tried this in Venezuela over and over and over again. Like We do this all the time, but then and for some reason, when our country, when only 30% of the citizens vote, it's, it's, it's a legitimate election, despite all of the voter suppression that takes place. Like, it, the way our rules apply to everyone else, anyone else could justify doing doing democracy to us the way we've done it in the Middle East, the way we've done it in Central and South America. Like, um, look at the look at the the footage of Portland and the police yeah. gassing the protesters. Like, imagine if that happened yes. in like a country in Central America, and Fox News was airing that same footage. Yeah. They would be cheerleading and championing the liberation of this country absolutely I mean, like we had australian and british journalists getting arrested or pepper sprayed or yes. shot with with metal bullets metal rubber bullets on live tv but like no one's ever going to take us on because of our like oh, yeah. it's it's because of um because of everything like no one's but, uh, ever going to do that to us it, it's important so, to kind of look through this on like a framework for like operation underground too because the main way they get sort of any sort of funding or any sort of attention is just through these raids they conduct with local yep. police in these countries too and they'll take celebrities along with them too like i think uh Oh, what's a good example? Uh, we talked about Sean Reyes, the attorney general for our state. There's yes, also they had someone from the the TV show The Walking Dead on the same one. Yes, as, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if that was the same one as Sean Reyes, um, but yeah. But, the, continue. but these all go on too, and it just shows like how much like the sphere of what we uh, what we look at as like acceptable behavior or like our morals are translated through uses of force. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because every sort of um, raid you see on these two is like we went in there and we saved these twenty three children. Mm-hmm. We did some good today. Yeah. It, specific. I, and that's important. Like they they take credit for everything that they're supposedly involved in. So they'll go in, um, and from all documents available, it seems that they're never really alone. When they do show up, they're with another agency, whether it's ICE or um, local governments, local police. Um, or I don't know if it's directly the CIA or what's going on, but, um, we mentioned the one with Sean Reyes, but like, uh, what's he, is he our attorney general? I can't remember. Yeah. He's our attorney general. He's, he's our attorney general. Um, so he's gone on one of these and they do the, they do these big, like it's a big, um, production. Um, it's a big like video thing, a big photo op, um, and someone was was talking to ICE about this because Tim Ballard specifically says things like, no one is doing anything. If we don't do this, no one will. And that's important because he said that he quit the government or whatever so he could do this because people were stopping him. But he's doing things alongside the government, latching on, taking credit. But specifically um, about the one in Colombia, ICE, ICE explicitly said, we called Operation, Operation Underground Railroad, not the other way around. It's not like they called us ice to get involved and well fuck ice too but like both of these groups together um like obviously there's that overlap where people get government contracts and that type of thing like how i mentioned that he has this position or whatever that trump appointed them to they get funding from the government to basically show up and do these photo ops to raise more money um to claim they're doing you know fighting for the good cause um but like also when it comes to like any sort of like use of force with America, it's always just about the initial use of force. We never think about the ramifications down the road or anything like that. And uh, we all read this uh, foreign part policy article too that was dark. Like the only yeah, way give us some of the excerpts from that because there's, I mean, 
it's it's almost weird how little stuff there is about um about Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad because it's really there's, really hard to criticize them in a way that makes you not seem like an asshole. <laughs> there's really not because it's like oh right. you think that the human traffickers should go free, but then you read about like what they do too, like after the aftermath of all of it too. It's for example, there was a there was one raid they did in like the Dominican Republic where they saved like twenty three girls, but there was no infrastructure in the state to actually take care of any of them. So they just released them well before they could receive the care they needed. And they're probably out turning tricks again, like a couple weeks after that. But that that's always been like the case too. It's like, we always just think like if we just knock over this dictator, oh, job's done. We don't need to do anything yeah. else, but it's, it's amazing too. Like, well, did we build any infrastructure to make sure that they're safe after this? No. Did we, do any sort of economic development? Do we provide any more jobs to these people so they don't have to like rely on this black market trade or anything like that? Yeah. No. Did we look really cool on camera so we can fundraise some more? You fucking bet we did. Yep. They hold big galas with like their footage and they get people, they get donors to come. They're putting on a golf tournament uh, this upcoming September. Um, and then a gala in November. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's the normal NGO type of thing. Um, but like, like the, the infrastructure piece, the, the providing actual support for people after they supposedly rescue these girls, um, and children, it's like that, that's not flashy and you can't really, you can't fundraise off of that a lot of the time when you don't have these really sick, um, photos and videos. Like, and, and if you just Google Tim Ballard, you'll see what this guy kind of thinks of himself. I mean, he's front and center in literally everything. Like he, you can't look up operation underground Railroad. He's synonymous with this group and he sees himself as this, this hero. But the way this ties into the QAnon stuff, other than him being part of this advisory board for Donald Trump is that, you know, he, he gets asked sometimes about, um, about like little things like relating to the Wayfair thing or the way relating to Pizzagate. Um, in fact, he explicitly said pizza, the word is actually a way that pedophiles order children. Um, and in this same video, he also says that coronavirus, um, the stay at home orders that were put across were causing rises in human trafficking, which is such a fucking dangerous thing to say, but also is very illustrative of like that mindset of that path that we're talking about. It's like against human trafficking, but now I'm, I'm also against the coronavirus staying at home order because that's also causing human trafficking because Tim Ballard said so. So I'm against coronavirus staying at home orders. I'm also probably against masks for some reason um, because all that's causing human. Oh, oh no, no, no. Actually, that actually reminds me. Judge Janine Pirro, I, I saw a clip of her on Fox talking about masks, hiding people's um, identities and making it easier to sneak kids around. So this shit is fully in the mainstream um, and people like that, like again, the three of us, we believe there's a lot of this shit going on, but it doesn't mean that you all of a sudden are, uh, anti-mask, anti-taking um, coronavirus seriously because it's secretly like a push to traffic more children. Like that's fucking in insane. And I told, I've told you guys already in our little Friday night hangouts, but a couple weeks ago, I accompanied my wife and my child at the uh, the sex trafficking, the child trafficking rally march that happened up at the Capitol. I don't, I don't remember the exact name. Um, but I was save there the children or whatever. Yeah. Save the children. Yeah. Like, obviously like we are an anti-trafficking podcast. 
my, <laughs> my wife is very anti-trafficking. It's something she's passionate about. Totally. Um, so we we wanted to show solidarity. And I was blown away. Like, first of all, the gathering was huge. There was it was a gigantic rally, yeah. thousands of people. Um, and I was I was blown away at the amount of QAnon and Pizzagate yeah. signs and and MAGA hats that were at this rally. Like it is it has really become synonymous. It really has. Yeah. It, it and which really frustrates me for yeah. a, a ton of different levels. But um, you know, it, and it goes even up to levels like the the Democrats refusing to stop associating with Bill Clinton despite the, like all of the troves of evidence we know about Bill Clinton, like. Um, you I'm know, looking just forward to his speech. I think it's going to be great at the DNC. <laughs> like he's speaking of the DNC this week. Like it's fucking ridiculous. Like that needs to be. I got it. It's disgusting. That's even happening, and that that and that's a valid criticism. And we can levy those criticisms without like becoming becoming Q people. But um, but like w- w- with Tim, I think that one of the most you know, aside from the the connections to CIA, which we know, like, if you want to look up conspiracy theory stuff that actually goes somewhere, go look up what the CIA has been doing for the last, uh, since its inception, actually, um, specifically in Southeast Asia, Central, and, uh, well, um, yeah, like Indonesia, that's a good one to start, but Central spend, and South America. Spend a week reading, like, Legacy of Ashes. Yeah. Or just, like, Google Operation Condor. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or, or Operation Gladio or Cointel Pro. Yep. Or Operation Pink. I mean, the, li- the list goes on. Yeah. Because, I mean, don't, don't, never trust anyone that's close to the CIA, first of all. Never do that. Um, but now that we're here and that he's already on this, um, he's exalted himself above everyone. Like recently, they did an event. It was, a, they, I don't know if it was the same week as the rally that, that Greg went to, but they did a Save the Children event or, or whatever. Tim Ballard came in on a fucking helicopter. Um, that's how this guy sees himself. And I mean, he called his organization, the operation underground railroad, because he literally sees this as the through line between Harriet Tubman into Abraham Lincoln into now he's fighting the new slavery. In fact, in his merch store, they sell shirts that say slavery never ended. Um, (laughs) And they're referring to like his organization that's fighting against child sex slavery, I suppose. But it's like Sam Rockwell and Iron Man. Dude. <laughs> well, you look way cooler wearing a plate carrier than you do like building a school or a hospital. Or yeah, absolutely. Like when he, I mean, he's like a super like roided looking guy, but he's got like these piercing blue eyes and like a bazillion pictures of him on Instagram. Like if you go to their Instagram, like there has never been a single person who's done it for the gram harder dude, than Tim Ballard. Speaking that, of which, he's like two years that's away from really like, like Mickey like Rourke such a such a shallow surface level. Like seeing how much this guy puts himself front and center and all of this shit is at at, at the most generous is fucking disgusting. <laughs> I think that's the common thread between like Kwaku and Tim Ballard too. It's just because it's like they're both just attention hungry people who are more than happy to just do whatever they need to to get more attention. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting how. Um, the Mormonism guides guides Tim through through this because he genuinely sees himself as like, uh, based on what I I've read from his own accounts, is that he's doing um, the Lord's work here. Um, and 
you know, this leads to a very, very special person in, in, uh, in Brigham Young Money canon. And that person is someone we talked about in depth, and his name is John McNaughton. You might know him as the son of Jordan's driver's ed teacher, but we know him uh, as one of the him. greatest, greatest and, and brightest uh, talents of, of this generation. And John, um, if you're listening, God, the invitation on, to join us open is still invitation. open. Please holler at me. I'm easy to find. So John McNaughton, pulled an absolute classic out of his ass here. So back in, in, in 2017, he, he pulled out a piece that he calls the underground railroad, which, um, we all know as being how a lot of slaves, uh, got their freedom made possible by Harriet Tubman. But you know, the new underground railroad, Neo underground railroad, um, of course is led by Tim Ballard and this incredible image, uh, painting that he has created here, um, has front and center Tim Ballard carrying a a, 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 blur, a brown or black child wrapped up in a blanket while he's walking down the middle of this railroad. And you have historical figures um, all around him, um, including Harriet Tubman herself. But there's also a few really good cameos in here, including Glenn Beck, um, including Mia Love, it looks like. Um, who else is going on here? I'm looking through. Oh, Tony Robbins is in this as well. Oh, hell yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's sex past Tony Robbins, by the way. <laughs> it's incredible. It's one of the most like, and I think this is a, this is a great, like this is um, creating a synergy between these two, these two men and their, and like how they, they see themselves, how the, how John McNaughton sees John McNaughton has a way of helping people see themselves the way that they'd like to be seen. So Donald Trump, you know, <clears throat> playing football or whatever, as if he could fucking do anything close to being athletic. But like um, John McNaughton makes it possible for these men to see themselves in the way that they would like to be seen, whether they are being literally, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but Harriet Tubman is literally kneeling at the feet of of Tim Ballard in this, in this picture. And of course, and I, I had to dig back and I had to go see if, um, if uh, Tim shared this on his Instagram at a certain point. And <clears throat> of course he did. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. It's we really, we love a white savior. Don't we folks? He, I, I, I don't, I, I know like that term white savior has been uh, like used a little too much by some people. This is the definition. I don't think anyone mm -hmm. has embodied white savior, more than this guy. And if he really cared about the victims as much as he, as he um, claims to, like it's, it's really odd how much um, he seems to be front and center in, in literally all of it. And it's, it stresses me out. Yeah. He's just the moral <laughs> veneer of a century of American empire. That's all I'm trying to find say. the Instagram post where he, uh, he shared it. I'm trying, I can't find it. Um, but man, I, I, I really just struggle with, with this guy. Hold on. I think I've almost got it, man. That merch is crazy, but yeah, Burgess Owens has a recent picture with him. Oh, I got it. So in this picture. Oh yeah. So he, his caption, a wonderful artist has created a beautiful painting depicting the men and women of the underground railroad. You can now purchase prints of this painting. All profits will go to ending slavery and promoting Liberty. All profits will go 
to ending slavery and promoting liberty. That fucking rules. Of course, that's not vague at all. Some overhead uh, for like resort costs in Acapulco and and um, so, like the Dominican yeah, Republic. It, oh and, my God, and uh, so which is a whole other issue. It, it, it is, and and there's a ton to get into with their financials specifically and how much they're paying themselves through all this. But they're one of the most annoying things about about him is that he continues to say like no one's doing anything except us, and there are countless organizations that are also um, actually doing things as well, including and probably um, almost like equally important is providing that post quote rescue support that Jordan mentioned that they uh, very explicitly do not do. Um, and people have dug into their financials um, allegedly only 25% of the donations actually go to the operations. A lot of it goes to um, salaries, you know, these big galas that they're putting on and all of that. And um, allegedly at a certain price point, uh, if you're a, if you're a donor at a certain price point, you actually have the option to watch an actual operation like live stream. So that's something that they offer um, as well. That is so fucked up. Let's just compartmentalize that for just a second and think about watching some sort of like police raid in a foreign country because you think it'll save children that's like yeah. one step above like a safari yeah it's, it really is a verhoven movie it, it's it's it yes super super gross but like like and the groups they're they're like as you can imagine the other tra the other um organizations that are against human trafficking and fight fight against it and provide support for victims are very critical of operation underground railroad because of their um, they're very, they're very liberal use of um, imagery depicting their victims, like actual live streams of victims and actual photographs that maybe they shouldn't be posting. Like, there's so many pictures of Tim like holding like little brown or black kids that he supposedly rescued, and it, it's it's like a yeah. church like mission for two weeks for like just going there. Like, we built them a well, dude. He makes yeah. Mm, yeah, he makes those guys look even like uh, pretty humble, but yeah, like usually those guys so, are dressed up like RoboCop. So yeah, so I, I, in closing, we want to we kind of want to figure out like um, try to synthesize like what does this mean and like what do we do with this information that we have? Because as I mentioned, this this information and like uh, all of the like some pieces of everything we just talked about are being shared through people's Instagram stories. Um, they're not publicly rebuttaled, but, but one of the biggest problems about all this stuff, and it, it, it was touched on by, um, in Kwaku's notes thing about if he's still liberal or whatever the fuck, um, he said leftists are the ones that or that discredited the Wayfair conspiracy instantly or the next day without an investigation. Mind you, the, part of the, the the Wayfair conspiracy videos that were being posted were claiming that these people who are friends with the Epstein or with Epstein and Maxwell um, are are in the head of uh, it was like the the developmental. Um, organization chief officer or something just some made-up ass role that they had this picture of some random person they said was in the wave organization so you don't need an fbi investigation to debunk a lot of the bullshit for that for, from that conspiracy theory but a lot of that stuff never makes it to the forefront because it's buried in instagram stories and no one actually sees anything and definitionally they defend themselves against all critique because one why are you trying to debunk a, a 
people um, talking about child trafficking, you fucking asshole. Like, why would you be against people being for the ending of human trafficking? Like, why the fuck would you ever do that? That's number one. But two, the defense is built in because any any corporate media who mentions this shit is is in on it or anyone who's against any type of journalist is clearly in on this human trafficking. And so like they're 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 scot free. They're like what are you doing to save kids, Jordan? Like why the fuck can you sit here on this podcast and talk to me about this cuz you're not doing shit. You're not saving kids. Yeah, and above all, I'm just asking questions. I'm not accusing anyone here. I don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. I'm just asking questions by saying this <laughs> like one website that doesn't actually sell anything but just like brokers sales is somehow just trafficking children. So yeah, this I mean the the same that whole defense of like why are you asking questions about about child pedophilia or human trafficking or whatever? It really does remind me exactly of the same defense that we heard early on in the Iraq war. We, you know, when the country was at like a 90 something percent approval rating for the war, uh, war was at a fever pitch, 9-11 had just happened. And it was that that same justification of if you ask any sort of questions or have any sort of critique at all, the 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 response back was, oh, like what you don't you don't love American values, you don't like freedom, you don't you don't like what are you a fucking terrorist? Like remember even when like the French was like mildly critical of America and like we yep. changed French fries to fucking freedom fries. <laughs> oh we my like, God. I forgot about that. And, like, well, the, and the Dixie wine. chicks got canceled. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, yeah. That's great. I found that America makes way more sense when you realize that we've had not one, but two anti-Masonic parties in this country. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I mean, that really is. Exactly my, I can feel my brain just fucking melting. Well, we saw it beginning at like, do you remember when Trump uh, unilaterally um, assassinated General Soleimani and yeah, of of, of Iran? Um, I mean, it was the same thing. It was like, like, oh, he was a he was a terrorist. So like, the the ends don't justify the means when you're. When it's it's just like with reckless abandon. So. I mean, overall, we got to be skeptical of, um, you know, of, of people who claim to be who who I don't know if they claim to be heroes. Tim, I don't know if Tim calls himself a hero, but basically, completely embodies what somebody who would think of themselves as a hero. He does that, and um, you should be always be skeptical of people who are doing who seem to be doing certain things like that for the notoriety. Um, and he he certainly seems to fit that mold, but also like just overall, um, man, it it's it's hard because like it, you don't want to tell your tell your friends or your family who you see posting this shit that like hey, by the way, you're helping contribute to like a super psychotic right wing um, conspiracy theory that embodies all other conspiracy theories and like like speaking of that like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't like Tim Ballard's whole thing as well of like being like a super MAGA guy is because he supports building the wall. Yeah. Because solely because he thinks that that will help quell human trafficking. Yeah. He he mentioned that explicitly. Like we need the wall because it fights human trafficking. Same thing when he was saying like, you know, the stay at home orders 
that increased human trafficking. So all of a sudden, all these policies that you don't like increase human trafficking. Oh my God, if we give, if we, if we give everyone healthcare in this country, people are going to want to come to this country. And, and definitionally that means more human trafficking. Like it's that a, shit just can mean anything and it oh. doesn't actually mean anything. Now I've got like the, the wheels in my brain turning and it makes me wonder if like Tim Ballard talking to Trump is like, was the one who inspired the whole like Mexicans are rapist comments. Dude, I, I mean, there's I, I just like so much, much shit like that. Yeah, I don't think you need much of that to convince Donald Trump of that. Yeah, but like, right. but like the <laughs> border wall, like true. stopping human trafficking, it definitely feels like that scene from The Simpsons where Lisa sells Homer a rock that keeps tigers away. Yeah, <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> like, my God! In overall, we need to be thinking more about context and like the historical context in which all these things exist, whether it's. You know, the fact that he was in the CIA and works closely with government agencies in areas that the CIA has directly completely fucked. It's like, I I don't know really what to do with that information, but I know that sending in Tim Ballard isn't the answer just to do um, Team America World Police and just fucking annihilate a group of people in a, in a foreign country, like with impunity. I know that's not the answer, but I don't. There's really not a good answer here because like we know people in power aren't held accountable for anything they do. So, I mean, we should like link some better organizations to support that actually do um, good work and that aren't involved with the fucking CIA and that actually help provide transitions for people who are rescued from human trafficking. I think a big piece of this, like uh, what Kwaku was saying as well, when he talks about he was conflating um human trafficking with with sex work like these people would never be about um decriminalizing sex work even though we know that would help reduce human trafficking and like bring things actually into the light um not necessarily legalize and regulate because a lot of sex workers don't uh, don't actually want that because i i can't imagine old ass like old ass dudes like creating legislation for sex work but um you know it's not like uh it's not like sex workers or pe- like these people don't have good relationships with police in general. Like we know how many times have police busted sex workers and not, not charge the people who are soliciting the sex work, but charging the sex workers themselves. So they have to exist in these shadows. So there's these, there's these things that, that, that people like Kwaku and I'm sure Tim Ballard as well, whether, you know, the anti-pornography or anti um, you know, sex work. And they, they conflate all of these things in with, what they call human trafficking. And I know there's been a lot of criticism about Tim's group allegedly showing up and not making any distinction between, you know, victims or sex workers or anything like that. Like there's just a lot of fucking gray area there. And the problem is, is is that Tim Ballard and his black water of fighting trafficking can exist and thrive in that gray area where they have impunity, they have money and they can just fucking kill people. And it like have they just extrajudicial killings like i i, I don't understand how this is a solution people, though that's the I, I didn't really read anything about that where they've actually like led to people's death well <laughs> they've i think they that I've, I've heard urban legends that they that they have that's part allegedly. of the, 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 the mythos the mythos of them is that is that they do and like but i think um, I, I think what it's important really realize the lesson to take away from like operation underground railroad and tim ballard is essentially this is the moral face of imperialism. Like bar none, like this is yeah. too, like 
look at every sort of like foreign policy thing we've made in the last 30 years, whether it's we have to invade Iraq because think about what Saddam's doing to the poor Kurds and the Shias. So we need to go in there now and stop them. Or Afghanistan too, where we just like look at the look at the poor women there that have to wear the burqas and are completely oppressed. Do we have to go in there and force them? And and then eventually we just make all those things even worse. And then like for example in Afghanistan, the only thing we really control is Kabul and everything outside of that is pretty much controlled by the Taliban. Do are the women that are outside of Kabul any free any more free than they were in two thousand one? I highly doubt it. And is. <laughs> And has anything gotten safer in Iraq since we invaded? No. And it's the same thing with what Tim Ballard is. Does he go into these places and then raid them? And then what happens after that? What happens a day after that? What happens a week after that? What happens a month after that? What happens a year after that? We never consider those things. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, energy shouldn't really be focused on, on like helping prop up these like psychos like Tim Ballard and these organizations that go and do this thing because and I know you use like talking about structures that exist, like fucking freaks a bunch of people out, but like these things are like, this is part like, he, like Jordan just said, this is like imperialism and sending people like he is a, he works for a nonprofit that's getting government contracts to go like fuck around in other countries and like latch onto operations for photo ops. Like I don't, Oh my God. And, and it feels like I'm fully expecting people like if, if this hits a certain subset of, of Twitter or Facebook moms or we're whatever, fucked. we're going to get fucking killed and I'm ready for it. But like, God damn, there's gotta be, you can't just ignore the context of all these things that happen. Like there's not, it's not like, yeah, it's and the white, the white savior thing, dude, it just kills me. And, and yep. just t- to your point, I just I want to get on my soapbox here. Um, Go. Cook. Because oh, my boy, we're kind of, I, I see the Tim Ballard thing as a microcosm, or not even a microcosm, but a symptom of a much bigger problem. And that is, is that Americans, we've talked about this before, but Americans are incredibly ignorant and incredibly apathetic, and they take things at face value. And one of, one of the worst side effects of living in this age of information is the widespread disinformation and people just, again, taking things at face value. And if there's one thing that I can tell you to not only do with the human trafficking stuff, but just in your everyday life is you've got to go beyond the surface level and do a little bit of digging and see where these sources are coming from and check out these organizations before you just hit your wagon to them. And you really yeah, do your do just like the slightest bit of homework. Like go beyond an Instagram story to check these people out and understand where they're coming from and what their motives are and what they're doing. And I promise you if you do that, you and the people you associate with and just like the world at large will be a much better, much smarter place. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um yeah. In closing, just, I mean, don't defend a rapist, like exile Bill Clinton, exile Donald Trump, like allegedly, allegedly. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Um, allegedly my bad. And, um, be skeptical of people who act like heroes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, everything that Greg said just summed it up, like, 
you know, people will latch on to those good causes and then use that good causes as a defense why you should support them. Um, and it shouldn't be like that, to be honest. Um, just go one step, be one step removed. That's it. Just one step removed yeah. from the surface level. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. I think that's all uh, All we got tonight, boys. I want to just go out on one high note just to kind of change the mood a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, hit me. Just announced probably about an hour ago, Elon Omar has won her re-election Let's challenger, go. primary challenger from the oh, yes. milk toast uh, Democrat who worked for a law firm that's like the biggest union buster in the state of Minnesota. So... Let's go. Squad's That's still intact. Awesome. Hell yeah. And and just to add on that, I believe in the primaries, uh, Ilhan Omar, AOC, and Rashida Tlaib have all won their primaries at like a two to one uh, disparity. Yep. The best part is when Politico was like, AOC and they're Tlaib, in trouble. They they survived their protest their primary challenges. It's like there's so many people the who are, amount of votes. Not there's only, so many people who are desperate to write these politicians off as like unliked by their constituencies. They love them. Like Ilhan Omar's district is is majority white, and they they have a, um, a Somali refugee representing them. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's kind of incredible to see just how Ilhan Omar is doing way way better than the DFL and the rest of the state. So it's it's yep. incredible to see because the the Democratic Farmer and Labor Party, which is the Democratic Party of Minnesota, has been so weak in milk toast the last few years, especially since like Al Franken got ran out of town on a rail. So it's interesting to see how someone who actually stands for principles wins way more than like, I don't know, whatever sort of like Minneapolis lawyer who like covered war crimes for the Yeah, dude. I fucking cap. love it. Or like or just paid uh paid by like millions and millions of dollars by APAC or something. And, and also beyond the beyond the uh the squad too, we also had additional members like Bowman and Bush too. So Oh, Corey Bush is such a good one. She actually she, represents that couple that was out there with their guns, the uh psychos. Which they're they're in <laughs> yes, her district. The ones in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so great. All right. I know. But, it could be better. I'm gonna end it with um I, I saw this incredible tweet. I'm just going to, I had my most uh, successful, I, I helped ratio someone to the fucking moon, um, which is great. So his name is Eric Snyder. He is a writer, emeritus film critic, Bon Vivant. He's American. He's gay. He's a Latter-day Saint. And he um, lives in Provo. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he tweeted, um, Oh, is Kamala Harris a cop? Gee, that's too bad. I hope it doesn't alter the time-space continuum to somehow make Joe Biden worse than Trump. That seems like a real possibility now. My stars. Someone said, yeah, because the idea of, of expecting our representatives to pass even a t- teeny tiny purity test is heresy and should not be tolerated when Trump is on the other side. Very insightful. Thanks. Uh, burned him really bad there. Got. I think this person owns Eric's account now because it was at 407 likes to 2.1 thousand likes. (laughs) Er Eric responded with one of the most incredible tweets of all time. 
I don't like the choice either. It doesn't matter. She could literally be Hitler and the Biden Hitler combo would still be better, a better choice than Trump. Oh, <laughs> no, don't be like this person. Never be like Eric. Um, Kyle. One of the most incredible ratios of all time, 2.8 thousand comments, 4.9 thousand quote tweets and 250 likes, a lot of which are ironic. Kyle, so, there's there's no problem with making Adolf Hitler the second in line to a head of state that's also like <laughs> 78 years old. There's so, no precedent for history ever. I mean, President oh Hindenburg was like 79, oh, all right? Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And um, <laughs> he continued. He tried to say it was a joke, which of course. Um, you don't then, have to ever hand it to him you don't have to hand it to him also don't post through it never post through it don't be like dershowitz do not post through it but he continued trying to backfill the previous tweet as like acting like it was a joke he said how would hitler even be on biden's ticket he is dead and not american both of which make him ineligible so as much as i would love to vote for hitler or for something i'm afraid it will not be possible in this life alas even less liked than the first one, but I got him good with the uh, each day on Twitter. There is one main character. The goal is to never be it. I've got 1.7 thousand likes and he's got 75. Ooh. So I officially own his account too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, reply, guy, reply guys unites and um, damn. Don't ever. Congratulations on your so purple today, heart today, th- in the posting <laughs> war. Thank you. Um, so today, Eric was the was the you know there we had two Provo guys as the main characters today. Um, mm. We got we got Quaku and we got Eric. Um, man, just Provo just Provo just stays winning, man. Provo stays winning. I'm Provo. so happy I was born there. What a cool oh place! God. Incredible stuff. Young, well, dumb, and uh, full of spiritual enlightenment. I, I feel very spiritualized tonight. I feel I've, I feel like I've, I've passed into a bit of a nirvana state. So, <laughs> gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you guys. I've, I've missed it since it's been a few days. Uh, I will leave you on uh, another happy note. Sure. Hit me. Wet ass P word. Dude, I know. I I was get so we were going to play the audio of Ben Shapiro reading the words to to WAP, but um he apparently, I don't know if Chapo's going to get hit with it, but they, uh, they, he, that basically took down the majority report today <laughs> because they played it and they wet got a ass P word. They wet got a per- ass P word. <laughs> that's, that's a good impersonation. So, uh, it's too bad, but, uh, I no. highly recommend everyone go look up Ben Shapiro reading the lyrics to, uh, WAP because, uh, fact of the matter is I have never once turned on my wife. And then subsequently owning himself, saying that his wife has never been wet in his presence. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a, there's a allegedly parody allegedly redacted. There's a great tweet right now I actually just saw, too, by a shrieker shooter, <laughs> Kamala Harris channeling Hillary Clinton voice. This November, America will have its own WAP, a win at polls. <laughs> 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 yeah, we got it. All right.